people. It's Stephanie here. So just wanted to say for today's episode that we did run into some technical difficulties. So that is why the audio sounds different this time around. Uh, Don't worry, it is something I know how to fix now next time I run into the situation. Um, It's still very listenable. Tracy and I had a good time and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation on coming of age horror. Also, my baby does join us at some point throughout the recording. So if you hear baby noises in the background, those are real. You're not going crazy. Anyway, hope you enjoy the episode. It was the most beautiful and horrible thing I'd ever seen, watching her become all that she was meant to be. Gwendolyn Keist, The Rust Maidens. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and joining me today is horror reviewer Tracy. She reviews for Sci-Fi and Scary. She's a member of the Ladies of Horror Fiction team, and she's been published in Rue Morgue magazine. And today we're talking about those stories that bridge that important time in your life between childhood and adulthood. That's right. Coming of age stories. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Oh, yeah. This is like a very fun topic. It is. I love coming of age stories. And I don't think we're alone in that. I have a feeling quite a lot of people like these. Yeah, I think so. I think they're they're pretty popular. And I don't know. I, I really like them. And I will say, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but there is like one trope in fiction that I hate beyond like anything else and that is like child protagonists not child protagonists but like first person narration from like a little kid from a little little kid yes like a a little kid it's just I don't know like the twee naivety voice that like never sounds real to me but I feel like with coming of age stories there's something about authors like really reaching down and being earnest and you can feel like I don't know I think it just touches your soul in a different way and the characters are usually at an age where they have like more of an understanding of the world and like the pieces are coming together. Yeah, and and you know maybe it's easier for authors to do that because most of us can remember, you know, 12, 13, 14 or or whatever. But if you're trying to write in a voice of like a a six-year-old like I don't it it doesn't click with me either so I'm with you on that I don't know there was a story I read a few years ago and it was multiple perspectives but one of the perspectives was like a small child and I just remember reading and it said oh mommy drinks this special juice and she gets very silly and I was like I hate that I I hate that (laughs) oh or it's like a six-year-old but it's written so maturely that there's no way that a six-year-old would say something like that. I read a book like last year or the year before that had that. And I was like, you took me right out of the story. <laughs> it was awful. 
Yeah. I mean, I can forgive that a lot more in YA. Like, I know a lot of people complain about that with, like, teenagers. But I'm like, I don't know. That's more believable to me than, like, an all-knowing, like, cynical seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I um, recently read Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. Have you read that yet? I have it. I have not read it yet, but it's like, oh my gosh. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> it is so good. And you have to message me when you start it. Cause it's one of those books, like I can't talk about it because it's so spoilery and it's so short. I can't really go into like much of anything other than the premise. <laughs> a group of friends uh, bring a mannequin to the movie theater to play a prank and it goes wrong, but it's Stephen Graham Jones. So it's like awesome. And super creepy. I bet. Oh, it is so good. Like, I, I immediately got on in Boxer <laughs> Rachel because she saw that I was reading it. And we have been talking about it. So you'll have to message me when you read it. Yeah, the last one of his I read was The Only Good Indian. So I'm I'm excited to read that one. And what is the other one he just came out with? Attack of the 50-Foot Indian, I think. Is that new? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, saw that on Amazon. It's more of a short story or a novelette, I think. Yeah. Okay. So what about you? Have you read anything good lately? Um, yeah. So just a couple of days ago, I finished, it's more of a crime novel. Um, it's called Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby. It's coming out next month from Flatiron. And it is just this brutal, like fast paced noir crime book. And normally I read mostly horror, mm-hmm. but if I have to jump genres, this, this was the perfect book for me to read. It's just no holds barred you get you fall in love with some of the characters it kind of messed with my emotions and I just loved it that sounds really good I love crime probably like one of my other favorite genres yeah that one and because it has a lot of crossovers Mm -hmm, crime and noir and stuff like that yeah you're always reading really good stuff yeah I like to kind of mix it up a little bit and that crime stuff is sneaking in I haven't been reading too many anthologies lately but (laughs) I just picked up that like Monsters and Miscreations because it was on sale and I saw that Ellen Dotlow just released that Final Cuts like movie horror so I just bought that yes Uh, so those are sitting on my Kindle now and I'm like I need to keep I need to read yeah the last anthology I read was Both Sides and it was edited by Gabino Iglesias Mm -hmm. and that was really good oh yeah yeah I've seen that I need to read that then there was that like pandemic one that just came out yeah, I think it released, well, I don't know when the podcast goes out, but it released today. It's called Lockdown or something. Yeah, so many good anthologies. But today we are talking about coming-of-age stories. So what do you think makes a good coming-of-age horror story? Well, I think that the group of kids, whether they be male or female, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, yeah. um, there definitely has to be some kind of just like in other inciting incident, I guess, if I'm using the right words, where pushes these kids from some semblance of innocence into who they will be after, you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah, there's definitely a focus on the group and their friendship, especially during that time or the time that the story is set. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is it's usually not always, but usually a group of kids. Like, I, I've read a few, like Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury and uh, Jedi Summer by John Bowden, who only have like two mm-hmm. main characters, but most that I've read have had like 
groups of kids. I have some on here that are ones that I've mentioned before that are like one kid. And then the one I mentioned has three kids. But yeah, it's usually a group. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if that's a qualification or not, but it's definitely, I don't know if you want to call it a trend, but it's definitely something that we see. And what do you like about them? I like the sense of nostalgia, I guess, that comes with it. I mean, I'm 41. And so uh, a couple years ago is when I first read um, Dandelion Wine by Bradbury that I just mentioned a second ago. And it just took me right back to that feeling, you know, when you get out of school for the summer and you're free and there's nothing else and, and the possibilities, I guess. So oh, you mash that with my love of like horror and scary things. And it's just kind of like like the perfect meld of things that I love. Oh, yeah. And I think especially that subgenre just captures that so perfectly. Yeah, I remember when summer like meant something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I teach, so there's still a little hint of it. Yeah. You know, I still get that big break, but I'm an adult, so I still have to worry about the bills and all of that stuff. It's Yeah, you eh. don't get to daydream about just watching <laughs> all the TV and going to the pool and tanning. And... Right. I have to feed the little humans. I have to uh... do this. I have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you actually wrote an article like recommending quite a few of these. Yeah, I picked a couple from that one and then an, and then a different one. But I wrote one for Deadhead Reviews in February for Women in Horror Month. Mm-hmm. And I decided to pick Coming of Age, but not just Coming of Age, Coming of Age About Girls, written by women. Which is a little harder to find a whole bunch than you would think. But I, I, I managed to find quite a few. Yeah, I was, I was looking at that because I know that that's one of the like common complaints people have is that they're usually male centric stories or you have things like it where there's maybe like a token female character. Yeah. Uh, But when you look like there actually is quite a few, I just don't think they present themselves as that. Like there are more books like when you read, you're like, that was kind of a coming of age story. Yeah. (laughs) I don't feel like they market themselves as that often. Yeah. There were so many that I didn't, I found that because what I, the, the way it started was I asked on Twitter, um, and I just said, hey, anybody have any good coming of age stories written by women about girls? Because there's plenty of coming of age, like Chad Lutsky, uh, The Pale White is one of his most recent novellas. And he wrote about girls coming of age and did a great job. But I was looking for a female author as well. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting part, though, was there were so many that were listed that I hadn't read and they were YA. So I don't know if YA lends itself more to that. I'm not sure. It's interesting, yeah, because it is for that audience, I guess, in that time of their life. True. Huh. Well, I guess we kind of touched on, like, why we think these stories are set in summer. It's like, all the possibilities of no school. Yeah, and what happens when those things go terribly wrong? You know, it's like the perfect setup for it. Yeah. And since they're like usually older protagonists, like usually, you know, either one or both of the parents is at work all day and they can just go out and have the whole day to do whatever with their friends. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's uh, and I don't know about now, but a lot of them that you read are set in earlier times, like 70s, 80s. -hmm. They're always looking back. I haven't really read personally a coming of age that's set like right now. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Food for thought. Uh, I think yes. 
let's say maybe mm, I don't know if it's really coming of age. It would be, I guess, Scream All Night by Derek Millman. I wouldn't say it's horror, but it's like horror adjacent. Um, this was one of my favorites, I think, like the first year we did the podcast, but it's about uh, a boy who like emancipated himself and lives in a group home. And you find out his dad was this famous horror director and he invites him back for a party. And basically he's like inherited the studio <laughs> and the studio is this like giant Gothic castle and like all the people that work for him live in this castle. So it's kind of him deciding whether he wants to step into this role and he wants to take this on and he has to confront uh, a lot of the issues he had with his dad growing up. So it, it kind of is a coming of age story. In yeah. A sense. Yeah. It sounds like it is. I haven't read yeah. that one, but I've heard you mention it a couple of times on the podcast before. So. Yeah. That's how I am with my favorites. <laughs> That's can't okay. get me to shut up <laughs> I do the same thing <laughs> uh, but I'm thinking like yeah that one I think was modern times so that was the only one I thought of because all the other ones yeah are looking yeah. back or like you can't really tell when it's set. right like ambiguous time period yeah. but that leaves it up to the reader and I guess maybe it's me maybe I just am the one that automatically puts it like in the past I guess I would say probably ones that people think about the most are like it by Stephen King or The Body, like Stand By Me. Yes, those two. Probably definitely. be like the two big ones. Um, and then another one that I almost picked was My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris, which is like a graphic novel, which I have also talked about extensively <laughs> on the <laughs> podcast. And that one I think is set in the 70s. I want to say like early 70s. Yeah. In Chicago. But that's a good one. And I keep checking when the sequel is getting released. And now Amazon is telling me it's September of next year. So Of next year. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, it said this year. But then it got, I checked again a few days ago and it got moved to 2021. I'm like, okay. I know. So many things are getting pushed. <laughs> yeah. I get it. But it's sad. Yeah. So what about movies in this genre? Yeah. I mean, there's. Uh, definitely a lot but what I was just thinking of when we were talking about setting things in the past is what about Stranger Things do you think that works oh yeah for sure that's definitely got like the group of friends yeah coming together to like fight something and there's definitely some inciting incidents and like learning things and I think especially that one because the adults are so absent and it's yeah, very much clueless. like they have to, yeah. yeah, they have to like completely fend for themselves and figure things out on their own. Definitely. And and, and the girls, you know, the girls, uh, you know, we were talking about how, you know, sometimes they're just token girls. The girls have more importance here. So yeah, Stranger Things would be a good one. And yeah, you're right. The girls are definitely more vital to the story. They're not just token characters. I was thinking also talking about like girl coming of age stories, Ginger Snaps. Yes, I just watched that for the first time like a few weeks ago. I did too. <laughs> it came on Shutter, I think it was. And I was like, yes, finally. Yeah, I was like, this has been on my watch list forever. Mm -hmm. so. It's super good. I love it. And then we've got the like, the transformation takes a different role, I guess. It's like a literal transformation as yeah. well as like the internal one. Yeah, so I thought that was a good mix with that like, 
puberty and yep. transforming into a literal monster. <laughs> a lot, <laughs> a lot going on. The symbolism's working hard there. <laughs> yes, so much. Just blood everywhere. Yes. <laughs> oh, the craft is another one. Yeah, that, and that's an older one. Yeah, they're in high school, so. Mm-hmm. it's a little different yet still the same it was really good also monster squad that's like get little kids again yeah that's i haven't seen that one in in such a long time i don't think <laughs> and then summer of 84 i know is one but i haven't seen it yet i know it is on shutter though <laughs> i haven't seen it either we need to like watch it together and then discuss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i see it every time like with the picture of the milk carton on the little thumbnail and i'm like oh maybe and then something else happens. So I know. that's when, like, the minute it came out, I'm like, oh, I need to watch this. Like, cut to like a year and a half later, I still have not seen it. Right. Like, <laughs> I was like, yes, it came out. I can't wait to see this. And still haven't watched it. So many good ones. All right. Are we ready to talk about some books? Yeah, let's do the book thing. This episode is brought to you by Macmillan Audio. Macmillan Audio presents The Shadows, the haunting new audiobook from Alex North, the best-selling author of The Whisper Man. You knew a teenager like Charlie Crabtree. A dark imagination, a sinister smile, always on the outside of the group. Some part of you suspected he might be capable of doing something awful. 25 years ago, Crabtree did just that, committing a murder so shocking it became famous, inspiring more than one copycat. But the most unsettling part, after committing the murder, Charlie Crabtree was never seen again. Stranger Things meets Stephen King's The Outsider in Alex North's poignant and terrifying supernatural thriller about the sacrifices parents make for their children. Download The Shadows by Alex North wherever audiobooks are sold. And thank you for supporting the show. Um, okay, well, for my first book, I'm picking a book that I know was on your list of female coming of age stories by female writers. This is The Rust Maidens by Gwendolyn Keist. This is set the summer of 1980 in Cleveland, and Phoebe and Jacqueline have just graduated from high school. They plan to have one last summer before they confront their uncertain futures. The steel mill is in decline across the street, and it's the backdrop to what happens on the girls on Denton Street. It starts with wet footprints and then their fingernails start turning to broken glass and it goes from there. And people start coming all over to look at these girls and they call them the rust maidens. I liked this. It was told in alternating past and present points of view. So you have like Phoebe coming home and visiting her house in the present and kind of confronting all of the memories from what happened that summer to the girls on her street. Uh, And then you have the chapters that are set in the past with what's happening in real time around high school graduation. And so it definitely had a bit of that like nostalgic look back. There was, as you can imagine, just from the premise, a lot of body horror with these girls' bodies, like literally turning into rust and metal into these like almost kind of statues but if there's anything I can say about Gwendolyn Keist is her writing is gorgeous I remember just reading that and I wanted to highlight like every other sentence like she 
has such a way with words. Like it's like poetry. And I think this one in Bram Stoker, I know it was nominated, but I think it won. Yeah, her first novel. Yeah. For this, I'm going to say for me, I thought it was room temperature. But if you do want like a poignant, well-written story with a touch of body horror and just really looking at the lives of these girls and what they went through and what was going on at the time and how it affected everyone, this was just a well-told, well-constructed story. And that is The Rust Maidens by Gwendolyn Keist. Yeah, that's such a great book. I love that one. Okay, so for my first book, um, I'm going to choose Benny Rose, The Cannibal King by Haley Piper. This is part of, I think it's book number three, but I'm not sure, of the Unnerving Cresses Rewinder Die series in which they look for, I think the open call was stories that would evoke that feel of like horror in the past. You know, whatever decade they wanted to put it in, but it needed to have that feel to it. So in this book... A new girl arrives in town. Uh, it's a small town. And the local kids, there's mostly girls and maybe a couple boys. Uh, they decide that she needs an initiation into this town legend of Benny Rose. The legend itself is kind of a mystery. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, though. Um, but I will say as they gather together, it becomes very apparent very quickly that nothing is going to go as they had planned. This is one that I did review for Rue Morgue. Um, and I, I highlighted that you know, Haley Piper doesn't really hide from the issues or LGBT issues or racism um, in that time period. Because a lot of times, you know, when we read these coming of age stories, everything's like, you know, when I watch Stranger Things, it feels like, oh, if only I could go back. But this Uh was a pretty clear look at some of the things that we'd like to forget. You know, there's issues like the, the main character gets some blowback about how she dresses because it's more masculine than it should be. There's race issues that happen. Um, I just really like that. That and the book moves at such a quick pace. So uh, it's definitely one to check out. The rating for this one, I'm going to say fridge for the most part um, because it moves so quick. You don't really have time to catch your breath. But the last half maybe even the last quarter uh, I just couldn't look away so I'm gonna say freezer like if I could do three quarters fridge quarter freezer um (laughs) it's it's that's what I would do it's one of my top reads of 2020 so I definitely think everybody should check it out and that was Benny Rose the Cannibal King by Haley Piper oh that is going on my list I know I want to check out all the rewinder die I have them all like on my list yes they all sound so good. Yeah, they do. I think I have I have them all in paperback so far, and I've read a couple, but I definitely need to get to the rest of them soon. My next pick is Mongrels by Stephen Graham Jones, which is another book I've talked about <laughs> a ton, but I felt like it had to be in this episode. Uh, yes. So this is a vignette-style story about a boy growing up in a transient family of werewolves. And I like how it's told because we get snapshots into his life. You know, we kind of check in at different points and get like a little story about what's going on. Yeah, I love the way it's written. He's being raised by his aunt and uncle. And, you know, in the early chapters when he's a young boy, you can just see how much he looks up to his uncle. And I loved the semantics of being a werewolf. Like there's points where like his grandpa and his uncle like sit him down and tell him the rules about being a werewolf and things you can and can't do and you have to make sure you take the garbage out every night 
because when you turn, like, you don't want to have a mess, <laughs> just like little practical <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I love how it also like often dictates their situation and why they have to keep moving or like work certain jobs and be careful who they can trust. And so, like I said, I loved the different points in the story. The narrator is unnamed, but like at different points when we check in, uh, he refers to himself as kind of like what's going on. Like there's one point where he's doing a report and he's asking his uncle questions and he calls himself like the journalist. And he's like, yeah. the journalist looks up and does this. And I, I really liked that touch. And, you know, one time it's like a Halloween costume. I think he calls himself like the cowboy or the astronaut or something. And I thought it was just like a perfect look at like this little boy growing up and you see like that span of time within this story. And I just, of course, it's Stephen Graham Jones. It was very well written, very well told and always makes me feel things as usual. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Same. I love this book. Um, so... I will say this was Room Temperature, such a great story. Of course, like ratings do not negate like how good a book is. Um, of course, that is just a scariness scale. So Room Temperature, but I think everyone should read it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> that is Mongrels by Stephen Graham Jones. Such a good book. I was like, yay, it's on the list. <laughs> okay. Um, my next one then, I'm kind of sneaking in something that I guess it's borderline horror. It's more speculative fiction. And that is Itza by Rio de la Luz. Um, this, uh, the synopsis goes that in her debut novella, uh, she examines the lives of a small family of water witches living near the U.S.-Mexico border, exploring issues of race and trauma along with beauty and magic. Itza is a powerful reclamation of body and identity. Um, and that's it. That's all we get as far as the synopsis goes. And I love that um, because what's in it is so easy to spoil and everybody's going to pull out different things from it. So it kind of hurt me. Um, I remember reading it in the car on the way home from like a family get together and thinking, I need to stop. Um, it's only like maybe 100 pages long, but it's just Amazing. Um, it's definitely in my top three reads of last year, even though it was published two years before that. So I want to say it was published in 2017. Um, it's gorgeous and brutal. I love that, like, that the author doesn't shy away from any of it. The horror comes from the real life trauma that the girls experience. And it's kind of told in this non-linear way. So it takes a little bit of getting used to. It might not be for everybody if you don't like that kind of jumping around a little bit and sometimes it's hard to tell who's writing at first but it just kind of works uh, and this is yet another one um, that's centered around girls and written by a woman just like Benny Rose and just like you mentioned with the rest maidens as far as rating it I'm gonna have to put it at room temperature as far as like uh, scary levels go with moments to fridge time just for some of the horrific experiences these girls go through I really want more people to read this book. I think it's really important. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. Uh, and again, that was Itza by Rios de la Luz. Uh, I was so glad to see you put that on there because I picked up that uh, Latinx bundle. Yeah, that and, um, V put together. Yes, and that was on there. And so it's on my Kindle now. And I've that's the one I wanted to start with. And I was so excited to see you put it on there. I'm like, oh, yay. Yeah, it, this one hurts. But okay. it's just, oh, 
it's just amazing. So definitely try this one for sure. Okay. Will do. There's so many good ones on that yeah. whole bundle. I have them there and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. It's a reader problem though. Yes. It's a good problem though. <laughs> Right. Uh, my final pick is Knock Knock by S.P. Miskowski. This is another story about female coming of age by a female author. So this opens up when a group of friends make a pact in the woods never to have children. Like I think they're like 11 or 12 when they do this. And I think it's set in the, I want to say 60s, maybe 70s, like late 60s, early 70s when they do this. What they don't know is they might have awakened something in the woods because they kind of try to make it all official. Like I, I, when I read it, it kind of struck me as very like divine secrets of the Yaya sisterhood. Like they're just like oh, kind yeah. of like grabbing stuff and like, okay, we're just going to like say this chant and like, yeah, we're never going to have children because that sounds super gross. So it starts off like that. And then what I like is we follow the women through the next like decades of their life. So we start there and we kind of get like their whole life. I think we follow for like three or four decades. Um, and so I thought that's like very, very interesting. That's not something I usually see in these kind of stories, but I really liked getting into all of their personal lives and the drama and everything that they go through you know, at these different points of their life. And they always, all of them stay in the same town called Skyloo, Washington. Yeah, like we were talking, like there's a lot of coming of age stories about men, but this was a deep look at a, a group of girlfriends and their interior lives and struggles with the recurring theme of motherhood and what that means to them at different points in their lives. I will say the second half takes a turn for straight up horror. <laughs> like it sounds very like women's fiction, like Oprah right. Book Club, like <laughs> That's the first half. The second half takes like a hard <laughs> turn into like horrifying. There's like hints of it like sprinkled like throughout. But then, yeah, that last half really goes for it. Um, and then I found out this is actually like the first in a, a series. It's going to be called like the Skyloot Cycle. And the book uh, The Worst is Yet to Come by S.P. Miskowski is another like entry into that series so I definitely want to check that out and see what's going on in this like spooky Pacific Northwest town <laughs> I was just gonna say that I've read um the worst is yet to come and I didn't know it was part of a series. so now I need to go back and read knock knock I mean I don't think they have to be read in sequence though do they I don't think so it's more of like a like here's an area that she's writing about I would think I haven't read the worst is yet to come but like I would think so <laughs> Okay. Like maybe there might have been like some references in there, but right. it's not necessary. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I will say fridge because I said like the first half is like this look into the lives of these women and what they go through, and the second half is a terrifying reckoning, decades in the making. <laughs> and that is Knock Knock by S. P. Miskowski. Okay, so for my last one, and it was very hard to pick just three, you know, yeah. for this one um, is. Touch the Night by Max Booth the Third. Um, this one is out now in ebook and paperback. And then I believe there are still copies of the limited hardcover available through Cemetery Dance that'll come out later this summer, I believe. So uh, here's uh, the synopsis It's something sinister is hiding in the small town of Percy, Indiana. And 12 year old Joshua Washington and Alonzo Jones 
are about to find themselves up close and personal with it. After a harmless night of petty property damage leads to the unthinkable, the red and blue lights of a cop car are the last things these boys want to see, especially a cop car driven by something not quite human. So the boys and their mothers embark on a surreal and violent journey into a land of corrupt law enforcement, small town secrets, gravitational oddities, and ancient black magic. So um, I love this book. Um, I had an early copy. I got uh, an early e-copy of it from uh, the author, and I loved it so much that I immediately pre-ordered the signed edition. And as (laughs) soon as the paperback was available, I ordered that too. I just, I like to have physical copies of the books that I adore. I don't know if that's something that everybody does, but I needed to have it. I've only read one other book by Booth. Um, It was Carnivorous Lunar Activities, and that one was great as well. Uh, In this one, he just has, as far as the coming of age goes, he has this ability to write this depth of character and weave in multiple plot lines in such a way that I couldn't stop reading. So it's 400 pages, and I read it in two different sittings. (laughs) Oh, wow. I like set my Kindle on fire trying to get to the next page. It was crazy. I, it didn't even feel like 400 pages. It was just unreal. Um, other things I loved about this book uh, is that it's diverse characters. Uh, the two boys are black as well as their mothers. Uh, timely subject matter. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, he wrote this like well before things that are going on right now. Um, even though those things were still very much an issue then, it's much more in the forefront, you know, while we're recording this. But he has that mixture of, like I mentioned before, of nostalgia and terror and growth that I love in coming-of-age stories. So this one, I definitely say, is a must-read a must read for horror fans. As far as the rating goes, I'm just going to stick it in the freezer. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's not like I wasn't sitting in terror but it's relentless and captivating. And I was just spent after I finished. I sent, I sent Max a message and said, what did you just do <laughs> once I was done? Um, so freezer status because of messed up things going on and emotional destruction is the only thing I can, is the only thing I can come up with for this one. It's definitely not room temperature. Maybe tiny bit fridge, but this one's a freezer book, I think. Wow. You picked some hardcore books this time. Yeah, this is such a great topic. We should it do is. like three more episodes. <laughs> I really could. Like there is, it's such a gold mine of a topic. Well, that sounds amazing. It's really good. Like I, I mean, I expected it to be pretty good. I was not expecting to be like, oh, this might be my top read of 2020. Like it was good. So what have you been enjoying, Tracy? So one of the, the one of the things I want to mention, and maybe the only thing I want to mention, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> today, I just saw the Peninsula trailer. Um, Peninsula is the sequel to the Korean zombie flick Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. Um, Rotten Tomatoes just like maybe it was out somewhere else too, but I saw it on their Twitter account, and it's supposedly taking place like four years after Train to Busan ended, and I cannot wait. It looks like it's action-packed. It has the same kind of great cinematography that I saw in Train to Busan. I would definitely say that if if anybody hasn't seen Train to Busan, you need to watch that immediately. That way you can get ready for this one. 
only thing I'm a little worried about is it did say coming to theaters. So I'm not sure how that's going to work with the pandemic. I'd love it to get like a theater release, especially as it's a foreign film. But I also very selfishly want it to go right to video on demand so I can watch it immediately. (laughs) I watched uh, Train to Busan a few weeks ago for the first time. Yeah. Did you like it? Oh, my gosh. I loved it. And I love the zombies in there and just the way they move like in this zombie universe is so creepy it's so great they're relentless i know it's amazing like i loved all the characters i'm hoping some of them come back in this next one oh that would be good that was a movie that hurt me though uh yes it's very (laughs) painful (laughs) that was good um well i watched i'm always late to these things because i don't go to the theater too much because I have two small children now. So I just caught Ready or Not from 2019 and it was a total blast. I absolutely loved it. Um, If you haven't seen it, I'll just say this is about a bride who marries into this wealthy family and they have a strange tradition that you have to play a game on the night of the wedding. So, you know, everyone is there, like the whole family's there. Everyone's wearing like their wedding attire uh, I'm by the title, you can tell that the game is hide and seek, and there are some uh, deadly stakes. Uh-huh. That sounds awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Samara Weaving is amazing in it. I was actually just watching Mayhem with her today in it, and that is a ton of fun too. Kind of sneaking that in there. If you haven't checked that out on Shutter, check that out. <laughs> that yeah, is. I have to watch both of these. I haven't seen either. So uh, they're both like a total blast like they're like that subgenre of horror that I like that's just like balls to the wall <laughs> like crazy <laughs> um uh, Adam Brody is great in this too I if you were like me and you loved him as Seth Cohen in the OC I always get like really happy when like the actors from like the teen dramas that I loved as a teenager like are doing stuff I'm like good for you yes <laughs> it's nice to be like oh wait you're from oh. yeah. I get that yeah. Like, um, this is definitely not chilling, but Gilmore Girls, and then, oh, is it Jared Padalecki is in Supernatural? And I was like, oh, yeah. look, yay. I love that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, he got that right after Gilmore Girls. Like, I was listening to a podcast. He has been working since he was, like, 18 years old. It has not stopped. Man. I mean, I guess that would be one of my other things that I'm currently watching right now is the... I don't know if it's the last season of Supernatural, season 15. I'm catching up, so I don't know. There's only, like, 13 or 14 episodes, so I wonder if they had to, like, cancel because of the pandemic or what's going on. So I don't know. Uh, And something else that we have started doing is asking people what their final girl song would be. So this is a song, like, it's a slasher movie. It's the end. You are the final girl. You can pick what scenario you want, but you're most likely covered in blood. What is the song that is playing for you? First, I would have to say that me as a final girl is probably not going to happen. I'm going to be the one that like goes to the basement or <laughs> trips down the stairs or, or does something silly. But if by chance I am the final girl, I pick Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. Um, it's a weird choice, I think. But I first heard it in the Stir of Echoes movie. Have you seen that? Yeah, love that one. Yes, it was in that. It totally creeped me out. And then, I, I mean, it's kind of like not a 
not one that I would normally think of as a final girl song, but that's definitely me. So. Oh, that's perfect. It's very like atmospheric. Like, yeah, it is. I like that. It's a good choice. Uh, so I will be adding all of these to like a Spotify playlist that I will link and have it be like the Pucks in the Freezer final girl song. Playlist. That's amazing. I can't wait for that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this was so much fun. It was. Thank you so much for having me. I hope to come back sometime again. Oh, yeah. You'll definitely have to. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me about coming of age stories. Absolutely. I loved it. So where can people find you online? On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Tracy un- underscore reads 79. I also publish reviews like you mentioned earlier on Sci-Fi and Scary. Uh, and that's about it, though. You can catch me on social media. I'm there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, or Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at Books in the Freezer.com. You can also find us on Patreon under, of course, Books in the Freezer. We have a $1, 3 and $5 level on Patreon. For the $1 or the Final Girl level, you get episodes early, so on Sunday instead of Tuesday, and you get to know the topic one week in advance. At the $3 level, you can be a part of the Voxer group chat and with that also comes access to the Patreon movie nights that we do using Netflix Watch Party. We've watched a lot of good movies like Train to Busan, The Ritual, The Invitation, Hush, and I have a poll for that whenever we decide to do a watch party. Um, at the $5 level, I let you know what the topic is before recording. So if you have anything you would like to add, it does make it into the episode. And you also get bonus episodes. Uh, Another way to support the podcast is just by doing your normal Amazon shopping and clicking our Amazon link that'll be in the show notes for you. But of course, you don't have to spend any money to support the podcast. You can spread the word, post on social media, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All of those things are very important and they are very helpful. So thank you to all of you who have already taken the time to do that. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N on Instagram as That's What She Read. That's with two A's. And on YouTube as That's What She Read. Join us next time for Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 